Now back to the happy hour with Nick Sainert and Enrique Alvarez Clary on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back into the happy hour, 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. Nick Sainert hanging out with you guys. No Rico today. So going solo for this segment here, make sure you stick around after the show. On the block with Strick and Nate coming up next. I'm sure they'll have uh, plenty of stuff to talk about on the final show of 2022. As we welcome in Zach Carpenter of Inside Nebraska, good friend, obviously, of the show. Zach, what's up, man? How's it going? Uh, got any big plans for New Year's? Yeah, man. Uh We've uh, we made it up to uh, my brother's place in Chicago. Actually, the the city that Greg Smith built. If uh, Greg, if you're listening, <laughs> shout out there. Uh, wasn't wasn't sure on the on the Wi-Fi service how strong it was going to be. So you got me in the nick of time. Perfect. See, what I did there. Yes, I, I, I got there. you. See, I, I appreciate that, Zach. All right, Zach. Uh, Zach Carpenter <laughs> of Inside Nebraska uh, joining us as he usually does on Fridays. Um, as as we're kind of breaking down the the last. 12 months, and more importantly, especially in just 2022, the season of Nebraska football, because you wrote an article over at Inside Nebraska on the rival site for the Huskers of just how drama-filled it's been. And Nebraska fans, I think, are used to you know seasons that are filled with drama, and but I mean, this season I feel like was on a whole new level. I mean, and it all started with the onside kick back in August, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I've said this a million times at this point by telling people, obviously I came over here after three years on the Ohio state beat and tell people there was more, there's five times more drama in six, seven months of covering Nebraska than there was three years combined at mm-hmm. Ohio state. I mean, you had, like I was writing down that in that article, you had the, all the off season hype of brand new coaching staff, 15 new transfers, one of the biggest transfer classes in college football. And then all the surge and, recruiting momentum in the 23 class during the summer. And then it all leads up to what felt like the most genuine optimism and hype maybe of the Scott Frost era. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what it sort of felt like. And then all culminates in, boom, Casey Thompson's balling out there. Travis Vokalek's catching everything over the middle. A.J. Allen is going is going crazy on the ground. And then they're up 38-27, and boom, the onside kick, the inexplicable decision. Um what I labeled at the time, the onside mm-hmm. kick game during the Dublin debacle. So you had that. And then, like I wrote in the article, it's like maybe that retroactively uh, was the best thing that could have happened for the long-term future of Nebraska football because that's what facilitated um, the Scott Frost firing. Or at least it was, it was almost like the last straw because after that it was like, all right, he was already on thin ice and now the ice is firmly cracking. Yeah. I mean, you come out and have – uh, very dispirited effort against North Dakota, barely win that game. And then, you know, the embarrassing loss at home to Georgia Southern. And that was the final nail in the coffin. And then of everything that, that came through after that, Mickey Joseph taking over, uh, firing the defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, you win two games, you're on top of the world. You're tied for first place in the Big Ten West for the first time in about four years, three years. And then everything else that came after that with, the losses and the, the injury to Casey Thompson and then the 77 day coach search, which 
I mean, I think Trev Alberts even called it the longest coach search in Nebraska history and all the drama fueled with that. Yeah, it's I mean, just as you were explaining it, I, I was going through an emotional roller coaster thinking, you know, hey, is there a chance that under an interim head coach, Nebraska could actually compete in a Big Ten West division that was was subpar at best? I mean, you had Purdue um, playing for a, a Big Ten title. I mean, just overmatched, unfortunately, against Michigan in the Big Ten title game. Uh, we're talking to Zach Carpenter of Inside Nebraska here on the Happy Hour. And, and Zach, you mentioned a, a guy by the name of A.J. Allen, which has you know all signs pointing to sticking around um, and going to be a part of this thing going forward at Nebraska, which I think is a huge win for, for the Huskers. I mean, this is a guy that came in basically tied at the hip with Brian Applewhite, right, and – He's probably not coming to Nebraska. He's probably going to TCU if Brian Applewhite uh, doesn't make his way to Lincoln. But now here he is, um, a guy that was right neck and neck with Anthony Grant as the number two back. He's coming back to Nebraska, and, and that's a big victory for, I think, Matt Rule and his staff. And, and I mean, where are you kind of at with the A.J. Allen discussion? Yeah, I mean, Steve Marek, for our year in review on the offense, he handed out individual awards, and overachiever of the year he gave to A.J. Allen, even though – he only played essentially three and a half games before he got hurt against Oklahoma. And he was one of the bright spots or one of the bright young talents that we were all excited to, to watch for the 2022 year. And at the end of the season, new coaching staff comes in and you're looking at the, the guys on the current team, like, okay, who are the priorities to try and keep around for Matt rule and whoever he names as the running backs coach, receivers coach, yada, yada mm-hmm. on down the line as he fills out his staff, and you're looking at, in no order, but Ernest Hausman, Malcolm Hartsaw, Casey Thompson, and A.J. Allen. And you lose Ernest Hausman, who I probably slotted as number one most important to keep, but you don't keep him. But then maybe, I mean, Malcolm Hartsaw, I I don't think anything's official there, but at this point I would expect him to be back. But then you keep Casey Thompson, and then you keep A.J. Allen, and that's just such a big building block to build on for E.J. Barthel. And uh, and the offense, I mean, speaks to what uh, what EJ is able to do, uh, just to keep him in the loop. Because you're, I think we've all we all sort of speculated during the season. It's like, all right, AJ Allen is probably going to be one of the top three guys um, that that other team's going to be looking at to try to lure in the transfer portal. Then Applewhite, like you said, they were attached to the hip, and he leaves and kind of waiting around, all right, maybe he's going to leave uh, wherever wherever Applewhite ends up. Maybe you see A.J. Allen follow um, or not. Maybe he goes to a, a different school. But to keep him in the loop, um, that, that's just such a key building block for, for this Huster team. And, I mean, we're seeing an overhaul on the roster uh, with guys like Garrett Nelson declaring for the NFL draft. And, I mean, I think we all expect sort of following that Matt Rule um, – that Matt Rule uh, M.O. is the first season is going to be a big struggle. Mm-hmm. But so you want to keep as many of those of those guys around uh, as possible, like th- that fit the system and have that talent. And he's right there at, up at the top. So you get a guy who probably can be a bell cow back in the future. I mean, maybe you see a, a, a carry split, a snap share um, between him and Anthony Grant again and, 2023, but I expect AJ to, to see a big workload increase and, and see a lot more um, 
a lot more carries, a lot more production, assuming uh, he comes back fully healthy from that broken collarbone. We're, we're talking to Zach Carpenter of Inside Nebraska, and you look at kind of Nebraska's scholarship distribution chart, um, and they're sitting at 91 right now, if, if I have updated it com- correctly and things like that. They're, they're sitting at 91 or around that number, at least, after Colton Feast decided to move on from, from the program. And you mentioned something about how we're starting to see the, the Matt Rule MO kind of shed um, light on this thing. As I mean, they have, they're losing. They've lost quite a few guys to the transfer portal uh, over the last couple weeks, understandably so, and, and kind of as we expected. But they, have, they, they signed a decent high school class. They brought in a, a decent number of transfers so far as well. But they're not done. I mean, how much fluidity is there on this on this roster going forward through these next couple weeks? And then, are, are, I mean, how many guys do we think Nebraska is targeting to sign not only in the late signing period, but also Husker fans are keeping tabs on on a guy by the name of Cameron Lenhart, who is playing in the uh, Under Armour All-America game this week. And he's already signed quietly, I believe. Yeah, I mean, 21 in the class, signees in the class so far, uh, with one JUCO kid and then 20 high schoolers. And then you had Barry Jackson last minute put the yeah. Cincinnati, um, which, you know, that's one, I mean, just real quickly, um, that, that hurts. Not, not a massive loss because receiver is one of those positions. I think that um, you can, you can kind of build upon, or I, I don't know. I think receiver is one of those that you can not replace easily, but even a guy as talented as Barry Jackson, it hurts. No doubt about it. But it's not losing. Uh, it's not like a top tier massive loss mm-hmm. um, that's going to sting. Like if they would have lost Malachi Coleman to Colorado. But yeah, you're looking at Cameron Lenhart and Ethan Nation, the cornerback down in Georgia. Who uh, both of those guys, I'm looking at most likely to be in the class. So you're looking at probably two additions. And then uh, there's a Maryland offensive lineman from the that DMV area, which I've talked about so often, the Washington, D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, which is just so primed for, for Nebraska to make its presence known, especially with the East Coast uh, connections and ties that this new staff has. Um, I can't pronounce his name, so I'm not even going to butcher it, but, but it's an offensive lineman in the 23 class in, in that area. So... I'm not sure where Nebraska's footing is in his recruitment, but um, you're looking at at least two additions, possibly three. Um, not sure on the transfer portal, but uh, I know, like you said, I mean, they signed seven guys, and the biggest one was you saved the best for last and bringing in Ben Scott, the mm-hmm. former uh, three-year starter at Arizona State. And that's going to be, I mean, for my money, that's the most important addition of the entire offseason, at least when you're looking at the transfer portal, because of how much help they needed at that unit, um, probably starting center, got to imagine. Um, so, yeah, like you said, I mean, decent decent 23 class out of the high school rankings. I think it's ranked 28th right now, fourth in the Big Ten, but um, like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whatever it was before signing day when I was on with you guys, I'm like, yeah, they're looking at, I mean, a class that's probably going to be in the 40s, maybe high 30s, mm-hmm. and one of the lowest ranks we've had in a while, and then boom, I mean, the fireworks start going off and they land 13 guys of their own to tack on to the eight guys that uh, they re-recruited from the last staff. And I mean, it's not, it's nothing short of impressive the way that they hit the ground running and just tore up the, tore up the tarmac on the recruiting trail to bring in this many guys. 
we're, we're talking to Zach Carpenter of Inside Nebraska. A couple more before we let you go because I want to especially talk about the college football playoff, uh, those games going on tomorrow. Last one on Nebraska. You mentioned we, we talked to you on signing day or the day before signing day uh, last week, but here we are, and, and Jeff Sims is kind of becoming – Sounds like quarterback number one, whether you like it or not. The, the way that Matt Rule was really talking about him the other the other day at a signing day press conference really makes it hard to believe that that he's not Matt Rule's number one quarterback going into spring ball, especially now that Casey Thompson's still rehabbing from from an injury. I, I mean, where where are you at in that discussion of Jeff Sims or Casey Thompson? I mean, do we have a true quarterback competition for the first time in, in who knows how long? Yeah, that's not something I really anticipated when they were going after Sims and Hornsby in the transfer portal. I mean, Hornsby has three years of eligibility left, and Sims has, what, two? I think two, yeah. Um, and I kind of I didn't necessarily think about that. The fact that they could have an actual quarterback competition, mm-hmm. not the fake quarterback competition that we had last yeah, off exactly. season. Um, but like you mentioned, it's a good point. The fact that Casey is, is – recovering and um, going through rehab after off-season surgery that um, that slap um, uh, surgery to pair that injury and um, so you have depth at the position but I think the way he did talk about Sims is not nothing I mean um, he was glowing about him talked about him being an NFL prospect and how so many um, people sort of uh, recommended for lack of a better term, like, hey, go after this guy. And then um, he's talked about Casey glowingly, but mm-hmm. not, I guess not as in-depth as he did Sims. And it's like maybe he's just talking up the guy that he went after specifically, but he also did when he had that conversation, those conversations with Casey, like, I want you here. So I think it's good to have that push at the most important position. But um, one thing to make clear is that, it's not like Casey Thompson is coming back and is going to be okay with just sort of yeah. riding out in one last season, being a depth option and being a, a coach on the field, which he would be. Like he, If you know that guy, if you know how his MO has been for the last five years, how he was this year, he's a competitor. He's not just going to be sitting out and being like, okay, I'm, I'm cool with being like that that Alex Smith type before the Mahomes uh yeah, transition if you remember that with the Chiefs no he's going in there to compete and, and win the starting job he's not and so that's an exciting storyline going into spring ball of um you got the Wiley veteran and then the young the younger guy nipping at his heels like an old buddy pop movie right so I'm, <laughs> exactly. I'm excited about that. <laughs> exactly all right moving on to the to the college football playoff here okay so first let's start with Michigan TCU because we were kind of discussing I don't know if you, how much you pay attention to like the NFL or anything like that, but the Denver Broncos obviously are looking for a coach, and one of the the their options is Jim Harbaugh, and, and whether or not Jim Harbaugh could leave Michigan um, for for the Denver Broncos if Sean Payton, who's their one their number one option, doesn't work out or whatever. But it's weird because you look at a lot of times over the last couple of years of the college football playoff, there's been this separation of you can really tell the top four teams just when you watch them on the field, whether it's terms of athleticism, size, physicality, speed, just the level of play is so much higher and so on, on such a bigger scale than, I don't know, the Gasparilla Bowl or the Capital One Bowl even for that matter. The San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Exactly, Bowl. exactly. Or, <laughs> or the, the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. Anyway, 
when you look at these, I mean, three of the four teams are considered probably blue bloods of the sport: Michigan, Georgia, and uh, and uh, Ohio State. But then you have you know good old TCU at the three seed. Does TCU have a shot to knock off Michigan tomorrow? Yeah, why not? I mean, yeah, exactly. It's a team built on it's a team uh, built on toughness, discipline. I mean, you just look at that the win against Baylor, like how how uh, coordinated, well coached that was. Like it's clearly filled. And if there's a breaker, uh, look at things. I'm like, I take the team that's better coached, but mm-hmm. at the same time, very well coached too. So um, I, I I was Michigan winning that game. Um, but TC, of course, they have a shot. It's not like it's not the same last year. Obviously, it's Cincinnati going against um, going against Georgia, where it's like, all right, uh, we kind of we kind of know or have a good feeling of where this is headed. Um, is it say Georgia or Alabama last year? Right now, I'm drawing. It would have been Alabama because Al- or Georgia okay, destroyed right. yep. Michigan in the in the in the Orange Bowl. That's right. Yep. I mean, Georgia and Alabama sometimes run together. You exactly. Know I mean? Like there are such similar programs now, which is crazy to think about. But um, yeah, it's it, it's not one for one comparison at all between how Cincinnati and Bama were last year. Um, I think mm-hmm. TCU they're going to have to get out in front early. Not not necessarily be winning at halftime, but they're going to have to be uh, have it within arm's reach after the first quarter and at halftime, um, just based on the way they play. And Michigan will be able to. Um, to run the ball and hit some of those big plays like McCarthy did in the Ohio State win. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I absolutely give them a chance. I still have Michigan uh, moving on. And then, I mean, like you talked about with Hardball after the season, he did it last year on signing day where he interviewed with the Vikings. Exactly. So I, think, I think anybody who had success in the NFL as a head coach and then goes back to the college ranks, I mean – you're probably going to want to get back to the NFL. I mean, that's the pinnacle. That's where his brother is. He probably wants to get back and uh, see if he can beat his brother at the at the NFL level, um, knowing knowing how he is. And um, with with any of these guys, I think the way you have to recruit in college with the transfer portal and NIL stuff. I mean, it it is always going to be more attractive to get back to the pros. But we'll see what happens. I mean, he has the program built up. To- so maybe he doesn't want to leave. That's what's crazy. Is it? I mean, looking forward, if the chaos does happen and and Harbaugh does leave Michigan, it's going to be interesting to see who Michigan goes after because um, we were kind of talking about on the earlier shows this today. Like, you know, they they're going to need a splash higher because they're now at this pinnacle mm-hmm. of of they expect playoff appearances, they expect Big Ten titles. And I'm not sure, just to throw a name out there, P.J. Fleck is going to be able to get that for Michigan. I, I, I just, It's going to be interesting because they are going to need or feel like they deserve a splash higher. Um, and and it's, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how that thing hand, or, you know, plays itself out if Harbaugh ends up leaving for Denver. Okay, on the other side of the bracket, you have Clemson, Ohio, or Clemson, Georgia and Ohio State. Ohio State without Jackson Smith and Jigba, without Trevion Henderson, um, Emeka Abuka said that multiple teams have already contacted him about transferring. I mean, there seems like there's a lot of distractions on the Ohio State sideline, um, and they don't really feel too threatened by George, what Georgia can do, both offensively and defensively. It sounds like. I mean, is there a shot here for for the four seed to knock off Big Bad Georgia? Yeah, I mean, again, it's going to be similar to what I said with TCU. Is they do have a shot because Georgia, they're their defense is awesome. I mean, it's not as it's not as like it's not as amazing as last year's unit that was one of the best 
defenses, maybe the best defense in college football history for at least the last decade or two. But they do have some chinks in the armor there. Their weaknesses are in the second. And um, Ohio State, yeah, without even without Jackson Smith and Jigbo, they got Junior Mecco Buka. Um, they, they have even Cade Stover at tight end, mm-hmm. even. Um, they, they have those options. Mayan Williams, the running back, I saw that he's back after fighting to an illness. Um, that big bulldog of a of a back bulldozer. Um, and I, I think one of the problems is that I think Ryan day stays away or goes away from the running game a little too, too quickly. I think that's one of the rubs Interesting. Um, on him at Ohio state, which as a sidebar on Nebraska radio, that's got to be a, uh, a good problem to have. If, uh, exactly. the only, if the number one issue is you're not running the ball enough, um, as opposed to so many issues, Nebraska has faced over the past few years, but um, I mean, it, it's going to come to that, down to that offensive line. When you're looking at Ohio State's offense or Georgia's defense, is can the offensive line of Ohio State, which has struggled in pass protection a little bit, can they stop Jalen Carter? Can they stop that that Georgia defensive line mm-hmm. and give C.J. Stroud enough time for some of those longer developing plays to open up down the field to take advantage of Marvin Harrison Jr. getting those one-on-one opportunities in single coverage or getting um, Emeka Buka and Cade Stover in the middle of the field on some of those routes that, that they love doing. I mean, this is going to be the, the game that I think you see not having Jackson Smith or Jigba, who can absolutely dominate the middle of the field with his route running, his, uh, his unbelievably dependable pass catching ability with those hands he has. Um, that's where you're going to miss him the most. So, um, but I'm, I'm sticking, remember, I don't know if you remember this, Nick. You, I, the first time I went on record on record over here was in the summer when you we were talking about Ohio State, mm-hmm. Texas, Quinn yep. Ewers National Championships. I said Ohio State is going to win the national championship this year. Okay, it's the first time I actually believed it. First time I never when I was on the Ohio State beat, I never actually thought that Ohio State was going to win the national championship. But in April, that's when I first started actually thinking this team is going to win the national championship. So. I'm sticking with that. Good stuff. I have Ohio State. I have Ohio State taking down Big Bag of Georgia. Then we get that Ohio State Michigan national championship. And Ohio State gets revenge. Yep. Even if it doesn't happen, I gotta stick to my guns. You know what I mean? Well, I gotta it, stick to the, that gut feeling that I said months ago. You know, and, and honestly, I, I'm in the same boat because I said that on air as well a couple weeks before. I think you came on our show for the first time, and I, I, I gotta stick with it. Ohio State. Um, even if I even if I don't wholeheartedly believe it, I, I got to stick with it. And then in the national championship, first of all, anything can happen. And if they face Michigan, you know how hard it is to beat the same team twice. Exactly. That's what I'm dealing with as a Chiefs fan, thinking we might wind up playing the Chargers in the playoffs. Exactly. Like, well, we, we beat them like five or the last six times. We beat them twice this year by three points each. And like, I don't want to face that team again. But, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, yeah, Michigan, in that first matchup, they took advantage of uh, – uh, of some, um, again, chinks in the armor. Like, uh, they, they hit on, like, five explosive plays, and it's like, it, it was kind of an anomaly, but it's college football. Yeah. An anomaly can, it doesn't matter. An anomaly can lead to something uh, big like that. So, again, sticking yeah. to my gun. All right, sounds good, Zach. Well, uh, if uh, Ohio State uh, ends up, you know, winning, then we'll, I'm sure we'll exchange in a couple text messages as well on Saturday night. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> going right. from... National champion to that. So, exactly. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on again. Thanks, Zach. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Have a happy new year, man. That is Zach Carpenter of Inside Nebraska. Appreciate his time as always.